Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. The GCLI has developed the pedagogy of leadership, which combines brain science, leadership studies, cultural competency, and developmental psychology. Its mission is to teach teachers to teach leadership to students. This is your go-to podcast for discussions, tips, and stories for leadership and leadership education. And I am your host, Catherine Birdie, but please call me Birdie. Our world is in dire need of people just like you, people who are committed to building communities of leaders, young and old. So let's get busy leading the next generation of leaders, and thank you for joining us. Hello, hello, everyone. Birdie here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast today. I'm so glad you are here. Our guest today is an out-of-the-box thinker committed to reshaping education and communities. He has developed the nation's first and only early college workforce development high school that is dedicated to tackling urban blight. And he's here to tell us more about how he is empowering students with both the skills and agency to tackle poverty. With degrees from the University of Alabama in finance, a master's in social entrepreneurship from the University of Georgia and a PhD in leadership education from Harvard, Mark Martin has returned to an area of the country with great, great need, Birmingham, Alabama, to build one of the most innovative high schools in the United States, whereby students receive a high school diploma, an associate's degree, and become homeowners. I am so excited to learn more about it and to introduce you to Mark Martin, CEO of Build Up. I'm so glad you're here. I really um, just learned your story. I'm so glad that you are in my hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, and we're here to tell the nation about um, some really cool things happening here. Can you tell us a little bit more about Build Up? Sure. So Build Up um, started about five years ago. I, I started it, I guess. Uh, still um, struggle with that because it really came out of a lifetime experience of being frustrated in education as an inner city school teacher, teaching first grade in Atlanta and then starting schools post-Katrina in New Orleans and really seeing what wasn't working for the kids that I cared most about. And um, I decided to step away after seven years of running a school in New Orleans and go figure out what was wrong. And that's what, um, that's what took me up to Harvard and, um, while earning my doctorate degree there, I, I hoped to find all the answers, but really just got more and more frustrated because all of my colleagues, even those who had been in suburban schools and parochial schools, were really frustrated that just this delivery model of having one adult stand in front of 20 to 30, sometimes more, unfortunately, kids, and expecting the lesson to land for all of them in just the right way, was um, it just wasn't working. For, for very many of those kids at all. And so that led me back overseas to Switzerland and Germany um, to, to see what they were doing differently. And that was largely that they never got away from the oldest way of learning, learning from experts, apprenticeship style learning. And that's really where Build Up emerged from. It was about putting young people in the arena with those who have gone before them and learned some kind of skill or trade and expertise and could pass it on to them. Um, and of course it works even better in communities like the west side of Birmingham where housing is in really bad shape after 60, 70 years of economic decline and seeing so many people, black and white, just flee from the community. Uh, we launched a community called Inslee 
that once had 45,000 residents, about a, a third black, a third white, and a third um, recent immigrants from mostly Western Europe. And now it has close to 4,500, 30,000 mm. steel jobs alone left. Um, but when you have that much housing stock and the community has seen nothing but decline, often our solutions are from outside. And what makes Build Up really unique is that it was about empowering kids in the community to be those change agents, to fix um, literally uh, the broken windows in their community from these blighted, abandoned houses, often boarded up. Um, but also they're, they're taking that both uh, ownership in, in two ways, both owning homes at the end of this path and then also taking ownership of their communities. Wow. It's, it's actually just, it's mind blowing to me, but how do you, how do you do it? Like kids, let's take us through a typical day if you can um, for the students and how many students do you currently have at build up? Yeah, we're a smaller model. Our hope though is to influence the schools around us and we've already seen some evidence to that, but um, we have about 60 students in the program. We have our first 16 post-grad students, so high school students have finished um, that part of our program and have moved on to work and post-secondary where they're pursuing their associate's degree or credential. But in any given day, we really have three components. Obviously, having a core academic foundation is key to almost anything, especially if you're going to have economic mobility in this world. So even in the construction industry, which is largely where our students focus, you have to be able to do the math to, to be able to hang. And it's not... Um, always upper level trig or, or calculus, but it is a, a strong foundation. They have to have great multiplicative reasoning and fractional reasoning and, and be able to hold their own to read tape measures and, and really the problem solving, it, it, all of that encompasses as well. And so academic foundation is key and we do teach all the same high school and college career, um, career prep uh, standards that, that Alabama has for all students, but we just teach it a bit differently. So for instance, we teach a course called Geometry and Construction taught in our um, linked learning lab. And, and that's the second part is where we're connecting through this lab experience, the workforce side of things to the academics. And so through everything, we're trying to integrate all the, um, all the material that matters to them and to their community. So for instance, to, to help begin to change and, and rebuild their community, they need to understand how it got there in the first place. So we start our humanities classes on the west coast of Africa in the 1600s and bring them forward to present day. But they're also, of course, going deep in civil rights history, especially being here in Birmingham. And they're learning all about redlining and kind of all the things that have uh, systemic challenges and, and present day challenges as well that they need, you know, are, are gaining the autonomy. Uh, the agency, I guess I should say, to to tackle. And so there's linked learning, there's academic learning. Then in the afternoons, they may take the skills they've learned in the, in the lab and in the classroom and go actually apply it, um, working on a home in their neighborhoods together collaboratively, along with expert builders. Um, we have folks that both work on our team, construction staff, and also subs that we work with in the community who train our young people to the change in their community, lifting up these houses and um, turning them into like new homes that can kind of be a beacon of hope for their community and a catalyst for change. That's incredible. What So once they've, they've worked on the house, the house is finished, um, I know they become homeowners, landlords, perhaps. Um, tell us a little bit more about that 
Yeah, a couple more steps to it. So one is all of our families are renting somewhere. All of them are at or below the poverty line hovering in that area. And so um, none of them come to us in home ownership positions. And over 60% of wealth in the black community is is contained in home ownership. So we know that's really vital. But too many of our families have never had that opportunity. What we consider to be part of the American dream is just um, not been within reach for them. And so... Um, right when we complete homes, um, students that have been w- with our program for two plus years, and there's a checklist of about five things that our, our parents have actually helped us come up with. But one of the families will move into a home that we finished and they continue renting. So that's part of our revenue model until that young person graduates and completes the entire pro- program. And so mom or dad or grandparent are renting the home that we just finished. But our promise to our parents is that it won't be a dollar more than they've currently been paying in rent. So a lot of our families are living in places with mold and mildew, rodents, pests, you name it, just really bad conditions. We have so many absentee landlords in this community, often more accurately termed slumlords, to be honest. But So we get our families out of those really rotten situations and into our homes that the kids have just finished working on and are beautiful. And and, um, and they kind of, the young person who moves in with their family is doing what we call practice home ownership. So they're learning uh, the responsibilities of owning a home while they're still renters. And so how do we maintain our yard and our landscaping? How do we change air filters to make sure that the HVAC system uh, keeps operating at full steam and, and things like that that are critical to being effective homeowners and maintaining your home so it doesn't fall into disrepair like so many of the homes there have been. And so um, while the student is gaining their high school diploma, that's step one, and then their associate's degree or an industry credential, uh, that's step two. The third is what we call the path to the middle class. And that's either taking a, here in Birmingham, $40,000 a year job. So they've been interning, apprenticing with different companies for um, five plus years in our program. And so can they, do they have the skills to gain a job that can really put them on solid economic footing? Uh, second is to take their associate's degree onto a four-year degree program. Uh, we know that's still a very valid path in the middle class. And then the third is to actually take the skills they've gained and other ideas, entrepreneurial ideas, and combine that with what they've learned about their communities and actually create a small business that brings jobs to their neighborhood and solves the local issue. Now, that's that's a tough road for anybody, entrepreneurship, so it's not one we highly encourage, but some of our kids have some brilliant out-of-the-box ideas, and we want to um, we want them to, to chase those down. And so those one of those three, so either the middle-class job, pursuing a bachelor's degree or launching their own small business uh, are the three, what we call past the middle class. And once they've accomplished any one of those, that's when they'll get 0% interest mortgages. So we kind of borrowed that concept from Habitat for Humanity who's doing this work for a long time in our communities across the country. And they'll take over the deeds to the homes and start building wealth. I mean, well, I cannot think of really a, a more, exact and hands-on approach to leadership. I mean, they, you are, you're giving them skills, but you're giving them the collaborative opportunities, the teamwork opportunities. What are some of the leadership stories, if any, that you would like to share with this DCLI audience? Yeah, I think it's, it's just kids realizing agency is what it's all about. And we see that all the time that, um, one of my, my colleagues here who runs a program called Renew Birmingham always speaks to the the biggest challenge of our neighborhoods are that there's first um, learned 
helplessness and that ends up becoming learned hopelessness. So learned hopelessness looks like this. You step out onto your front porch and you see in, you know, a vacant lot next door that a house just collapsed or whatever. And the city finally bulldozed it and somebody threw a tire or a couch there and, um, it just becomes a dump. And, and you look over and you say, man, somebody should come, somebody should come take care of that. Somebody should come clean that up public works or, or whoever. And, um, you don't realize that you have the agency yourself to go do that or to gather your neighbors and your colleagues and your friends and, and to do that. And, and when you step out on your porch enough week after week, month after month, and, and eventually year after year, and it keeps piling up, that's where the learned hopelessness comes from. When you realize that nobody's coming to save you, nobody's coming to help you, the government's overwhelmed, public works doesn't have the capacity. And that's really what just causes this cycle of decline in, in urban communities too often. So what we're all about is just um, starting in small ways. So sometimes that is as simple as clearing blighted land and act, we call it cleaning and greening where it's just overgrowth all over and students um, learn the landscaping skills, which is a real basic um, skill set to teach, a lot, lot easier than electrical or plumbing, but it's also a great entrepreneurial path for a teenager to start mowing yards in their community, right? So... Um, and the cool thing about all the work we do is they get to see the fruits of their labor right away. You know, mm-hmm. there's grass that's up to your waist or taller even. And, you know, that morning when they show up at this lot and by the end of the day, it's it's gone and it looks beautiful. And it can be a catalyst for, for change in the community. Nobody wants to invest in their home when they're surrounded by just um, eyesores of, of throughout the community. And so... Um, as our students begin to do that, what they also often see is that neighbors start coming out, asking questions. They see what they're doing. And then the neighbors who may have let their grass grow a little too high start pulling out their lawnmowers. And so they see that just by um, doing the doing the things that need to be done, it, it spreads and it's contagious. And so they, um, instead of pointing to things and saying somebody should come fix that, our students are gaining the agency to, to lead in their communities and know that they they can be a part of, um, of leading that change, not just a part of it. They can really um, bring others in the community around to understanding that as well. And that's pretty powerful. I love, it's so powerful. I, I often, um, I used to say that we are teaching students to, um, to lead for the future they will inherit, but they are actually leading now. And I've, I've reframed that concept because and I'm actually learning from them every single day that I'm with young, young leaders and young student, young adults, because they are, um, they are, they are actually doing incredible things right now. And I, I think it's um, important that they see themselves as change agents, like you're describing. Birmingham is not, I mean, in many ways it is unique and I encourage anyone listening to come visit us and, and learn about our history and some of the cool things we're doing here. Um, but how is this build-up model scalable in other cities? What are you doing to work with um, other schools? What's the future look like for you? Yeah, thanks for asking that. Um, so I think the unique thing for me in starting build-up, and um, I told a little bit of the story, but I literally woke up at four in the morning in Boston, four months away from graduating, and I never wake up in the middle of the night. Like I sleep sleep well. And had all the concepts of build up just weighing heavy on my heart and it had never crossed my mind before. 
And those things don't happen a lot to me. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I kind of was like so excited that I, I woke my wife up and I started telling her about it. And she's like, go downstairs and write it down. <laughs> and that's where build up start out of. But I, to that point in my career, I started, um, you know, I mentioned that I started teaching first grade with literally had 15 students and then, um, probably about eight or nine years later, had a school in New Orleans of 900 kids. So I always saw my career going in the, the direction of impacting more and more youth. But then I had this concept just weighing me down heavy on my heart to launch a school that would, we literally launched with 20 kids on the West side of Birmingham in a pretty obscure part of the country. Um, and I didn't know how that fit with that impacting more and more, but I kind of always hoped at least that if we could do this work well in a part of town like Inslee that had seen nothing but disinvestment and decline, um, but still so many um, just people who believed in their community and want to see it come back and could lead that change from within in a place like Birmingham with a storied history, um, a lot of it negative and especially when it comes to race relations in a place like state like Alabama that has so many social challenges. If we could be successful there, then, then it was something that we could take elsewhere. And so now having experience in, um, I didn't mention this, we launched build up as a private school, but that was the easiest way to launch here. And Alabama has a pretty unique, uh, tax credit scholarship where our students that all, all of our students largely come to us from public schools, uh, many of them failing public schools in the city of Birmingham. So they come to us and are able to get a $10,000 scholarship. But um, we were able to launch within a year of moving back home to the state of Alabama, which was really cool. I think we got on the ground August 13th of 2017 and uh, launched August 12th of 2018. So that, that helped. But I'll then say um, – the model, I kind of built it knowing that it could be a traditional public school. It could be a school within a school, an academy model. It could be a charter school in some states if they, if it was a fit for that. Um, and it works, you know, pretty easily. The funding is a bigger challenge. Any inner city private school is going to be a challenge if you're working with students that can't afford tuition. But um, I've grown to where I'm I could care less about the governance structure, but just want to see great schools and um, mm -hmm. build up the model we developed was one that you could take elsewhere and make it fit anywhere where there's both want and need for this kind of model. So one way we want to expand is by replicating and um, we call that basically license sites where we'll license the model. We've kind of created a, a replication handbook uh, to scale the model and that was assisted through Fannie Mae's Sustainable Communities Challenge Grant that we won. And um, so we, we see ourselves both growing in, in scale in other communities, but also we want to grow in scale here in Birmingham by continuing to add kids and then launch additional sites. So instead of having anything close to a large comprehensive high school where we're drawing every, all students to one, one neighborhood, uh, we want to launch smaller school sites, campuses in neighborhoods where they're needed. So we're always close to the action and, and we just feel very strongly that those who are proximate to, to the challenges are the best suited to solve them. And so that's what build ups all about. And, um, what we've been to this point getting more than anything are people just reaching out from all over the country saying, uh, we've read about your model. We've seen it on TV. We want to do this here. And we have folks that are, behind it um, from 
school superintendents to um, other educators to plumbers and tradesmen and, and everything in between all over. Uh, people hear about it and see the need in their community and want to want to launch something similar. And so um, we have another model that's called Build Up Inspired Sites, where we would uh, train those folks, bring them here to Birmingham to see it in action, and then equip them at whatever level they need to go and launch their own sites. It may not have the Build Up name, but it could still um, do do the good work. So in one community, for instance, in Pennsylvania, they're wanting to launch something called a neighboring academy, the concept of na- neighboring as a verb, which is really cool and critical to, to bringing back communities. And so teaching young people what it means to be a neighbor and that through this lens of rebuilding homes and doing everything that build up does pretty much. So that's the, that's what we're looking at for, for scaling and expanding. And, um, COVID certainly didn't help. We were about 18 months into this thing when we were struck by a global pandemic. And that was a challenge for every educator across the country, but, um, we managed to survive it, struggle through it and are, are kind of picking back up now. Wow. I, I mean, congratulations. This is, um, you're just getting started. And I'm really, really, really excited to share your story with the GCLI community. I will be sure to link your website um, and any other links that you'd like us to add to the show notes below. But I can't thank you enough for being here today. Great success to you and your team in the future. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch and getting updates. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank y'all for joining us today, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Until then, visit us at gcliadership.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You'll find all of our links at the bottom of our podcast. And until then, lead on.